Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Here as in Heaven, we'll be looking at how God's promises can give us hope for our hurts. Our speaker today is Senior Minister Dee Bacon. So when I was uh, in counseling, my counselor put me through an exercise that engaged my imagination. And the way the exercise worked was I was to think of a line of DDs starting from DD this year to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. So DD at, you know, 48, 47, 46, 45, 43, 42, all the way down as far as I could remember. If I could remember my birth, remember that guy, right? That would be pretty amazing to remember. But who remembers their birth? Really? Come on. But anyway, uh, to remember DD all the way through history. Those of you that have Mac computers... You ever done a backup? You can see, you know, the backups listed back all the way down to the beginning. Something similar like that. So hopefully you have in your mind this image of, of Didi or image of yourself going back in time. And the question was, is if you look back at all those Didis lined up over the years and you notice something about them, is, are any of those Didis upset? Are any of those DDs crying? Are any of those DDs uh, in a bad way? Are any of those DDs not being heard? And really, it was an exercise in reminding me that we are really the sum of our parts. We are, uh, you know, spirit body beings. And if something has happened to us in the past that is not being put to, to rest, not come to peace, if there's something happened to a Didi back that day, if Didi's crying at age 10 or Didi's being wounded or hurt and traumatized at age 6 and has not been ministered to, then that crying Didi needs to be ministered to because he will be heard. The deity of the past will be heard in the practices and the attitudes and the actions of the deity of the present. And so it was an exercise in seeking God's guidance to go to those parts of me that, that have been hurt, that have not been ministered to, and ask, what is it that you need? What, what's going on? And if I can give it to you by the grace of God, if it's good and right, then, then we can so that you can be at peace, so that you can be whole. What we're talking about really is dealing with the subject of trauma. Because every one of us, every one of us in the course of life will deal with something traumatic, whether it be something uh, maybe minor as a childhood fright to something as horrific as war, whether it be domestic violence, the recipient or the witness, or abuse, or a traumatic accident, or the loss of a loved one, or uh, the come, you know, realizing that you have some illness that, that is life-altering. Whatever it is, we all deal with trauma. You know, trauma has an effect. Those parts of you that have been hurt, traumatized, will be hurt. For me, one example was this. There was a time in my life, really, as a, a younger to later teenager to maybe in, even in my early 20s, I had a thing about dogs, dogs that I did not know. If a dog was barking uh, aggressively or ferociously, uh, I would lock up. Uh, if I went to someone's house and I didn't know the dog, I was really nervous. I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to open the gate. I didn't want to knock on the door. And if the, I did and the dog went nuts, which typically they do because dogs are always big and bad when they're standing behind a, mirror, a window, right, or behind the fence, when you meet them in person, they usually are 
nothing. But the dog would bark, and, and I would just, it, it, would, it would scare me. And I often thought, how did, how did that happen? Why is that? I, you know, I, I'm a wild and crazy guy. Dogs shouldn't freak me out as that. I've, run out, I've outrun many, many, many dogs. I've kicked dogs. I've hit dogs. I've escaped from dogs. I mean, really, why does it do that to me? And, and as I went through this process, I began to realize, wait a minute. I remember when I was seven years old. I remember seven years old, we went to visit someone, and there was a dog there. It was a, a lab mix that seemed very friendly to me. Didn't give off the signs, didn't bark, didn't growl, didn't give off the stay away from me messages. So I went to this dog, and I went to pet her. And when I petted her, she went right at me. I mean, she went and snapped and bit and tried to get a hold of me. Of course, I was much quicker than that. You know, I've just been watching The Matrix again. You know how he's dodging the bullets? That's how I was like, you know, I was completely out of the way. It didn't get me. But it scared me to death. And I, didn't, I wasn't able to talk to my mom about it. I wasn't able to unpack it. I wasn't able to process. And that stayed with me. That stayed with me. It was a trauma that began to manifest itself much later in my life. That hurt and scared Didi had to be heard, and he was heard in the fear and the panic later in life. Similar occasion happened to me. One time, my friends and I, we were in a car. Uh, my friend was driving. We were being stupid. I put my, you know, he was giving me a lift home. I put my bike in the back uh, of the car. We would drive along. All of a sudden, he did something dumb. He tried to go towards a crowd of people to scare him, and then he overcorrected. Next thing we knew, we rolled the car. This is a weird feeling, you know, being in a car, and you're like, oh, okay, we're upside down. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and so I pulled my bike. Well, ever since that, that traumatic, that stuck with me for a long time. Every time the car would shift, <gasps> I would get into panic. Why? Why? Because trauma and traumatic events have to be put to rest, have to come to peace. They manifest themselves in our lives unless we have the courage to deal with them. In a more serious note, Patrick Stewart, many of you may know Patrick Stewart as, as, as in the X-Men movies. I think he was also in the Star Trek movies. He's a British actor. One of, the, one of the men's magazine was writing an article, and it came out that Patrick Stewart's father was alcoholic and abusive. He said, my childhood was marked by traumatic memories of getting between my dad and my mom as he went after her. It affected him immensely in his life. He became one of those kids that really strived to be per perfect. Why was he being perfect? The perfect, dutiful son, because he didn't want to set his dad off, right? Something that's common in, in many folks' stories growing up with an alcoholic that can go violent. In the course of time, Patrick was doing research, and he became aware of an article that talked about Alfred Stewart, Patrick's father, uh, his unit in 1940 he was in the British Army. It, came, it, was, it was a story in the newspaper that he became aware of, of, of how pa uh, Alfred, Alfred was, was suffering from shell shock. And the story was is that in 1940, when they were in France, the Germans attacked France, and they were on into France and, and so, so quickly that many units, British Army units, were, were cut off and stranded and 
That happened to Patrick's father. His unit was, was cut off by the enemy. They were bombarded with, with shells for over a month. They, spent, uh, they were unable to escape, and so they, they spent that entire time trying to evade German capture, trying to escape with their life, which they eventually did. But when he got home, he was suffering from what was called then shell shock. Well, in 1945, uh, Alfred Stewart volunteered to be a paratrooper to jump over D-Day to land in France and help liberate the country that he had fled four years earlier. And discovering all of this, Patrick so all of a sudden became aware, oh, now I know what was going on with my dad. Talking to friends, he explained what had happened, and they all said, yeah, classic symptoms of PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something now we become more and more aware of as we have many of our young folks returning from combat uh, over the past 10 years or so, returning here and, and just, you know, exhibiting all sorts of kind of crazy behavior, all linked to the trauma and the horrors that they experienced through war. Stewart said, when I became aware of these things, when I became a uh, I began to understand my father. He said, absolutely classic PTSD behavior, no doubt about it. This is what a friend said. He said, after hearing the real story of my father's life, my anger toward him was dissolving, began to dissolve away. Why? Because he began to understand that there were things that his father had experienced, things that he had, had gone through in the war that were not brought to peace. And because they were not brought to peace, because of the trauma of the past, were not brought to peace, they manifest themselves in behaviors that were destructive in the present. And today, as we have been journeying through the book of Psalms, discussing matters of the heart, issues of, of, of mental health and emotional well-being, we've talked about anxiety and we've talked about depression and last week we talked about addiction today we're going to talk about trauma and trauma is a like i said is is a broad broad subject because we all go through things that are traumatic to us in various degrees but the bottom line is that in the course of this life, all of us are going to deal with tragedy. All of us are going to face tragedy because we live in a fallen world. All of us are going to be traumatized. And those traumatized parts of us, those, those, those times when we were traumatized as we move on, if we don't deal with them, if we don't come to peace with them, they will dog us and hound us and torment us in our presence. And so we go to the Psalms. And we talked about the psalms being songs of the heart sung out to God. And we talk, we've talked about how most of the psalms were written by a man named David. David was the king, the great king of Israel, who once was a shepherd. You might remember David's story was the one who uh, had the, killed Goliath the giant because Goliath the giant was uh, being offensive to the armies of God, and David stepped in and killed the giant. And then David rose in, in terms of his popularity and rose in terms of uh, his value as a soldier to, to the kingdom of Israel, and he became the king and established the kingdom as a, as, as, a, as a powerful nation and rebuilt Jerusalem. And part of his heart's desire was to build a house for God. He was a man after God's own heart, and he wanted to build the temple of God in Jerusalem where, where everyone can worship the God he loved. But if you're familiar with the story in 2 Chronicles, we're told that God said, I'm sorry, David, you cannot build my house. Why? You cannot build my house because you have shed too much blood. There's too much blood on your hands. 
you're disqualified from being able to build a house where, my, where I will dwell. And so David did what he could. He, in fact, you come to realize that even though his son Solomon, who was a man of peace, built the temple of God, David provided all the resources, all the plans, had done all the pre-work that made the building of the temple possible. And I've often wondered, wow, I wonder how that must have felt for David. Here's a man who loved God with everything he had. He wasn't perfect for sure, but he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he wants to build a temple and he's not allowed to build a temple because of the blood on his hands, because of the things that he had done as a soldier, because of the things he had witnessed in the war. I mean, you got to think about it. Wow, that must have been a hard blow to deal with. And in the light of the conversation that we're having today about trauma, I began to think even more deeply. I wonder how all of that affected him. In terms of PTSD, let's think about what kind of trauma, what was the effect on David? How did it affect his heart? How did it affect his being? Because you've got to know, it did. And in thinking about that, I began to realize, wow, that really brings a different perspective regarding some of the Psalms that he wrote, and some of the feelings that he expressed out to God. In particular, Psalm 31. If you have your Bibles, please turn to that. This is the psalm that we're going to be working through. We're going to start at verse 9, Psalm 31, 9. It's, follow along with me and just, just, just hear the agony and hear the pain and, and, and recognize many of the, of the feelings that folks that are dealing with trauma feel are captured right here. And in understanding that, you see not only those feelings, but you also see David's hope and David's way to find peace that I hopefully will be an encouragement to all of us who are dealing with trauma in our lives. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years... By groaning, my strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because all of my enemies, I am, utter, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust you in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from, my, from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have sought up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you, in the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. Okay, some reference to being at war and, and, and the tragedy there. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord perseveres those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, 
all you who hope in the Lord. You know, I worked through this psalm, and, and hopefully you catch this too, but here's a man that's in distress. Here's a man tormented. He's afflicted. He, he's in terror. He, he's dealing with paranoia. What are all these things? Well, these are all symptoms of someone dealing with trauma. David cries out for peace. David cries out peace for his heart, wholeness, restoration. As I work through this psalm, I see a pathway, and, and hopefully this is helpful to you. I see a pathway to finding the peace that we may need due to trauma, whatever way it comes to us. Peace of heart comes through from God through person, on purpose, and in process, through process. Person, purpose, and process. By person, I'm referring to a healthy relationship with a safe other. Now, we've said this time and time again throughout this series that the healthiest, most competent, most compassionate, most loving other we can have access to is God Himself. By faith, through Jesus, God is near us. We may not feel it. We may not uh, think it because we don't have warm fuzzies when we pray. But the truth is, is that God will never leave us nor forsake us, and He does not lie. And even things may be going wrong, we can hold on to the truth that God is near, that He hears our prayers, that He understands our torment, that He was with us in the traumatic event, that He stood near us and saw us go through it. And God is a God of compassion. He wept with us as we went through that difficult time. God with us is the first person that helps us find peace. But God also provides others, other individuals who can come into our life, if we are open to them, who could provide us what we need to find peace. That's why we have encouraged you throughout this process to engage in conversation with a professional Christian counselor, an individual who has been called and gifted to help work through the pain and and identify the source of trauma and help bring you to a place where you can find peace by God's grace. We all need people in our lives. Healing, peace comes through a person or persons. This was illustrated to a man named Dr. Jamie Atten very profoundly. He's an expert in trauma, a Christian counselor. He was talking to an individual who had um, just come through trauma. In this conversation, he was saying, you know, when, when someone who's close to us, someone who's near to us, has gone through a very difficult time, we have a hard time dealing with that because we feel like we have to say something to make it better. We have to say the right words and, and, and do the right things in order to, it, to go away. And the truth is, is there's no amount of words and no amount of action sometimes that you can do to fix the problem is going to fix the problem because the problem is way bigger than anything you're going to go through and can do. And what's needed is not someone to come up with a solution, but instead someone just to be present. To be present. To offer lessening with acceptance or just help in everyday life by being near. 
During Hurricane Katrina, one of the survivors told the story of trying to get out. Obviously, had chosen to get out a little too late. The storm was upon him. Very quickly, the wind and the rain was coming down, and he was driving, trying to get out, and it was just getting worse and worse. He was beginning to get into a panic, thinking, this is it. I'm not going to be able to get out of this. So all of a sudden, he saw through his windshield, through the rain, a figure standing out there. It was a, a neighbor that he had never met before. A neighbor was standing out there with a sign spray-painted here on it that said, Stop here. Stop here. The man pulled over, talked to his neighbor. His neighbor helped him get to the place that, that he had available to provide refuge. See, the starting point are people who will have a sign that says, Stop here. You can find refuge here. The starting point to find peace from trauma is being open not only to, to God, the first person, but also to those he sends who will say, stop here. You can find refuge in the storm. To me, that's not only something for me to, to look for during difficult times, to foster in my relationships with others, safe people in my life, healthy relationships that will, will, will be those refuge for me, but also to realize that that too can be an opportunity for me as I become aware of individuals who are connected to me, to be able to be a refuge for them, to be one neighbor who says, stop here, stop here. It begins with people and when we get with people, then it provides us purpose, people, purpose. And by purpose, I'm referring to the commitment to make the journey to find healing, the commitment to acknowledge that there's a problem, the commitment and the courage to, to be able to go to that hurting deity and saying, okay, what do you need? I, I, I'm, I'm feeling scared to, to let this out. I'm feeling afraid to, to make you known. I'm, I'm feeling embarrassed by what you've seen and what you've gone through, but I need to do this in order to find the healing that God provides. It, it, the beginning of, of, the, of the journey of healing starts with people, and then it, end, begin, it brings us to, to, a, to a purpose, a purpose, a direction, a commitment. Commitment begins with courage. Courage to share your heart. Courage to acknowledge that you have an issue. I have someone that's rather close to me, he has a problem with alcohol, and he has a problem with violence. He still will not admit that he has a problem. In fact, when he has one of his outbursts, he thinks it's a badge of honor to have broken knuckles from punching a wall. Here's an individual that will not first accept what is real, what's going on, how he's destroying his relationships with his wife and his children, this is a person that has failed to recognize his condition and enter in on purpose seeking help, seeking healing, seeking peace. It's so important that when you get into relationships that, that people tell you the truth, that you accept that truth and begin to commit to the process. Commit with purpose to finding healing begins with surrender. Again, the story of Jamie Atten, diagnosed with stage four 
colon cancer spread to his pelvis. For the six months, Jamie was hopeful, praying for healing, praying for healing, would run to his doctor, tell me what's happening. The doctor would, you know, do what doctors do, say, listen, uh, I can't guarantee everything. For me, if I was you, I'd recommend you, you get your house in order, you deal what you need to deal with because that's just kind of the situation you're in. Six weeks after being diagnosed with the cancer, they were moving to Mississippi, and uh, that's when Hurricane Katrina hit. So he had one thing after the other. And his reflection, he said, you know, the thing about dealing with Katrina is, is that I could drive away. I could escape that trauma. I could escape that tragedy. I could not escape what was happening in my body. I could not escape what was happening in my body. Atten learned that in order to deal with both traumatic events, he needed to do, give himself to what he called spiritual surrender. This is what he says. Spiritual surrender helps us understand what we have control over and what we don't. In a research study I led after Katrina, we found that people who showed higher levels of spiritual surrender tended to do better. This finding didn't make sense to me at the time. It seemed like a passive faith response. Fast forward to my cancer disaster. I vividly remember taking the trash to the curb one winter morning while praying that God would heal me, the freezing air feeling like tiny razor blades cutting across my hands and feet because of the nerve sensitivity caused by chemotherapy. Wondering if God even heard my prayers for healing, I kept praying as I walked back inside my home. All of a sudden, I dropped to my knees and prayed the most challenging prayer of my life. Instead of continuing to pray for God's healing, I asked that God would take care of my wife and children if I didn't make it. This was the hardest prayer I've ever prayed, he said. For the first time in my life, I truly experienced spiritual surrender. I finally understood true spiritual surrender is far from passive. It's a willful act of obedience. Purpose begins with surrender. Surrender to the truth to the truth of the struggles, to the truth of the hurts, to the truth of the destructive behaviors that are the result of trauma not being brought to peace. People help us come to purpose that then leads us on a journey that I describe as process. Process is that one step at a time journey of dealing with the trauma so that you can find peace. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of courage. It's a journey that requires creativity. Creativity. I say creativity because sometimes in our system of care, while I'm so appreciative of the counselors and, and the medicines that, that are provided for us to be able to deal with such things, I do think that it does tend to keep us in a thin bandwidth of dealing with human beings that doesn't access the other things that go on with us. Current research shows that when a person is dealing with severe trauma, one of the reactions is that they all of a sudden stop functioning in the right way with their brain. In other words, the part of their brain that is meant to work in order to help process difficult things, in order to help process trauma, shuts down. And so you ask a person to deal with trauma without the capacity to be able to deal with it, that, that's impossible. And so what's needed is a creative approach that reactivates that part of the brain, brings that back to life so that that part of the brain that God gave us to help us process and to come to peace is 
active and available to then deal with the issues that are going on. And so any approach to dealing with trauma needs to involve the entire human being. We're spirit body beings. And so that's why I, I think engaging in, in a creative approach to dealing with trauma is so vital. That's why I'm so excited to see things like where, where counselors use the arts to help people unlock that part of their brains that help be able to deal with trauma. And by the arts, I mean singing together in a choir or doing drama in a play. That's one of the, the big things with kids dealing with PTSD. They, they found that those kids that were able to be involved in a play were able to be better able than to be address the issues of their life. Art. There's a movement out there called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Basically, it's someone who walks through and helps you get your eyes moving back and forth that then helps you lock into those things that are going on in your heart. And you're like, that sounds crazy. That's like hypnotism. Well, guess what? When you dream, guess what your eyes do? And what has God given dreams for? God's given us dreams to help process those emotional things that are going on. Sometimes you're like, I have a nightmare. Well, you have a nightmare because you are trying to come to peace with something that's bothering you deeply. And having a nightmare actually is a good thing. It's God's design at work, right? Well, a lot of times people that have gone through trauma can't sleep and they don't dream. Why? Because the trauma has shut down those parts of their brain that they can't do it. So this practice is a creative way to bring them back, to bring them back. Stretching and breathing exercise helps. Play, playing, playing brings us back to the basic connection with human beings. Instead of dealing with problems, let's, just, let's play ball together for a little time, and, and that helps bring you back to life. Brain-computer interface technology. Prayer. Prayer is one of the most powerful healers. When we engage in that, we're not only uh, engaging parts of our brain and, and, and our soul that, that bring healing, we're also touching our lives to this most significant other in our, that we need to know, God himself. Worship, singing together and, and being part of a community. All these things are creative ways that help find healing from trauma. Working through a whole person creative process allows us to find the gift from God of peace for those parts of us that are in distress Most of us have this view of the world. Most of us have a just worldview. In other words, we believe that if you do what's right, then good things will happen. And if you do what's bad, you deserve what you get. Bad stuff, right? Trouble is, is that a just worldview uh, is not how the world works. We live in a world where good people have bad stuff and bad people get good stuff, right? And ultimately, I think what God wants us to move from is not the just worldview. He wants us to move to a faith grace worldview. And when we move to a grace worldview, it allows us to then be able to put to peace those issues when our just worldview is challenged. So let me give you an example. After Superstorm Standy, there was a person uh, who was... Uh, talking to one of the workers that had went in to, to minister to the folks that, that had gone through that tragedy, a doctor. And uh, they were quite surprised by this individual's rather optimistic comment. This man surprised the relief team with, a, with his quip when he said, sometimes you have to lose the roof to see the stars. 
Now here's a man who knows how to find meaning in loss. Interviewed and surveyed disaster survivors were asked about their views of God in the wake of catastrophe. They found that you can have two people who go through almost identical losses, one believing God saved them, while the other believes God is punishing them. They both went through the same disaster, and it was found that the person who doesn't find positive meaning is likely to struggle a great deal more. The person who lives with a just worldview is likely to struggle more. The person with a grace worldview finds peace. See, process means being committed to discover that even in the worst moments, we can all look for the stars. I want to close out this message in the same way we've done throughout our series with a real-life story of our own. Jason's story is one of Psalm 31 coming to life. Tragedy, peace found through person, purpose, and process. I hope we, uh, we can all appreciate just uh, the courage that every one of our uh, members that are willing to go in front of the camera and share their heart uh, for us, just the courage that that took. And uh, I know all of us here just can just really feel it for, for Jason, and I'm really appreciative just of how he's willing to share. And hopefully his courage... Uh, encourages you if you need to deal with some stuff, if there is a hurting one of you back in the past for whatever that's gone through that needs to come to peace. I'll say we stand, and uh, our members of our prayer team will come forward to be available to you to pray with you in person. If you would just to make a decision to become a Jesus follower, be baptized. Find life, healing. These guys can direct you where you need to go. We're going to pray, and after we pray, we'll be dismissed. Feel free to stop by the table once again. Talk to our counselor friends out there. If that's something you'd like to pursue, uh, need the courage to do in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for your grace. Thanks so much for forgiveness. Thank you so much for being the source of our peace. That you redeemed all of us, those parts of us that we may uh, be embarrassed by those parts of us that are hurting, those parts of us that we feel like we have to protect because they are still very raw, very afraid, very hurt, very angry, very uh, ugly in some ways. You redeemed all parts of us, bringing us back home to ourselves so that we might be uh, at peace with you. I pray that whatever that looks like in every life that's represented here, that the psalm of David and the testimony of, of the stories we share today, the truth of Scripture, will serve as an encouragement and uh, serve as a, a means by which we know that uh, we can overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.